podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everybody and welcome to the 89th episode of Two Slips in the Gully. I am joined by Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Hello, I'm good, good. How are you? I'm really good. And Captain Gary, I've got you as well. I am here. I'm 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 still alive. Still alive, <laughs> getting there. Yeah. It wasn't quite good. Glenn was good, you're still alive, so Oh, exactly. <laughs> it is what it is, you just have to wear it. He was later okay. upgraded to a better hospital and his condition was upgraded to Alive! <laughs> Getting the Simpsons quote out of the way right. early. Um, so we're up to episode 89. So the next episode will hit our nervous 90s for everyone playing at home. So that's... Uh, we knuckled down after our 50. We're nearly there. We're almost yep. up to the big score. Mm-hmm. Um, so cricket is marching on here in Australia. We've got some things to talk about. Two of the best one-day international games I have seen. Mm. We're going to have a chat about astonishing cricket, thrilling cricket the whole way through, fantastic games. Can't wait to have a chat about them. Yep. Uh, we've got the first round of the, well, first game of the Sheffield Shield to unpack. Uh, have a look at that. And uh, Mo and Alley has retired, guys, yep. from Red yep. Bull Cricket. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, very recent, so he won't be able to finish that series. I know. And uh, <laughs> uh, that'll be something that's going to really annoy Mark Butcher because Mark Butcher got up at the end of the last series in England talking about so we get to we play four quicks all summer and then we get to the last game where we should probably be playing a spinner and we haven't really given anyone a go and we haven't developed any spinners and then we don't know who to pick and we're left with a hat in our hands and they do the same thing next summer so Mo and Ali was the closest thing they were using to a spinner in that series and you have to imagine at that point they're probably looking at taking him out here for the ashes Mm. and then he retires on them so now they've got, I think, Leach and Bess yeah. didn't bowl the ball at all yeah, during well, that period. Mm. Um, they they did invest in them when they were in the subcontinent, but, like, uh, they, they just don't give them the chance. It's been a while since they've played any competitive cricket, so that's going to be a big, a big hole to fill because they're going to need some sort of spinning option. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a like a match winner or a wicket taker, but it does need to be someone they can yeah. throw the ball to yeah. and expect the job to be done, that Joe Root can then leave leave them on an end for a number of yeah. overs and not let the game disappear. You've, you've got uh, English blood in you. Do you fancy bowling some wrongins? Oh, the only reason I would play, <laughs> I would bowl wrongins against Australia would be to help Smith get to his triple century. That would be it. Don't worry. The first one's always effective. The first one's always effective. For those playing at home and listening, while this is funny, uh, I I normally bowl seam up. That's that's my thing. I don't dabble in much of the other arts. But uh, during this off season, I have just you know it. It's been hard to do with COVID training, and you've got to restrict how many people we can have there. So it's usually just been some one-on-one net sessions, and you know, running in and bowling is tiring work. So I get a bit tired, and I decide. I'll just I'll, I'll bowl some leggies just to mm. just to you know get my breath back before charging in for the next few seam up deliveries before we swap over. And I don't know how to bowl leg spin. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I just 
Yeah. Basically, just roll my wrists around the ball. Yeah. We've seen it, it on TV. Seen it on How TV. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? Um, and they all come out wrong. That's what Glenn's laughing at. I am yeah. incapable of actually bowling a leg spin delivery. Everything comes out wrong. I think it's funny. that 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 required context for our viewers. So there we go. <laughs> Bit of a tangent already. Yeah. Yeah. An yeah. insight to to, to yeah. my cricketing skill set, where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um. So before we go way down that rabbit hole. So Marlon Alley, he's um, a, a, a much maligned cricketer, uh, one of the guys that just never seemed to find a niche in that team. He was always – everyone wanted everything yeah. from mm-hmm. him. They wanted him to, to bat like a top-order batsman and bowl like a front-line spinner. Yeah. And, and the problem I think we had is he was neither of those things. No, I think you've got to pick one or the other. They might have like uh, Cameron Whited him a bit, you know, just gave him a bit of a – Sort of mixed message about what they wanted to see from him, um, but I mean, he he did his best. He played cricket. His, his record isn't terrible. It's not stellar, but you wouldn't say it's uh, it's if awful. He, Twenty thirty years time, looking back and just looking at purely statistics, you'd be thinking they're thinking he's a semi handy bowler. Yeah. Nearly two hundred wickets at thirty six, mm. five test hundreds. 1450s, I think an average of 28 with yeah. the bat. And you'd be sitting there going, oh, that Moen Alley guy wasn't half bad. You'd probably mm. pick him as a, you know, as a as a spin option. I suppose when you're looking at it, it's really a context why statistics don't tell the whole story. I mean, Moen Alley far too often was fronted up being that number one spin option in England when you had, mm. you're operating with, you know, four genuine quicks, sometimes five with Ben Stokes in the side and Moen Alley was given the job of, of spinning. And, and, and what was painfully obvious was when he went abroad mm. and was asked to do that number one, especially as an off spinner in places like Australia where really good off spinners don't do well. And then Moen Alley being asked to do that sort of thing. And then his batting was super inconsistent as well. He's a guy that believers. I think he's got some dubious statistic where he is the only batsman in history that has had more than five innings as an opener, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. Maybe yeah. just eight. So he's in the basically all the batting positions, he's had at least five innings there in each one. Yeah. And, and I think uh, and that... I, I think he could, have, he could have done that, but it was he, he had to focus on it. I think he, you know, the... To be able to do both, you have to be a very special cricketer. You have to be a callous. Yeah. You have to be a, a Sobers, a Stokes. And I just don't think he was quite at that level. So he, I think yeah. he would have been a good second option batting six or seven in that side, depending on where you're going to bat your wicketkeepers, you know, Bairstow, yeah. Butler, those sort of guys prior um, yeah. some other guys that could have floated in that. So somewhere in that six or seven role, you've already got another spinner and then he's your second option. I think that's would have allowed him to flourish. But I think because he ended up being England's number one spin option for so long that he concentrated on that part of his game, which quite frankly is probably not genuine test standard in terms of being a frontline spinner. No. And that led his batting wane. And then when his batting waned yeah, and his was. bowling wasn't... It was just yeah. It was all sort of a vicious circle of events. And I think he was mm-hmm. a, a, a he's one. He's white ball cricket speaks for itself. He's a phenomenal yeah. white ball cricketer, exactly. doing exactly that job, batting mm-hmm. usually the top of the order. Generally not the front line spin option, but you know bowling behind someone like an Adil Rashid more recently, people like that. Yeah. 
and he's really come to his own. He's owned that role, and I think that's probably something that England haven't really done a great deal of justice with, mm. forcing him into that front-line spin option while expecting him to bat like a top-order batsman while batting at 7-8. Yeah. It's just, yeah, just a weird... At the end of the day, he, he did his best with uh, the situation that was, was given to him, and let's face it, he did. And he's been given nothing but praise by his coaches <laughs> and his teammates. He's been a, yeah. a, a great member of, of that England side and, and no he's doubt continue. He's, he's almost got the same kind of sort of local uh, support, public supporters as Nathan Lyon. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a very popular member of that side. And will no doubt continue to be a popular member playing in the white ball formats for them. So yeah. uh, all the best for the, the future. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the test arena probably wasn't your greatest area, but it was, it was fun watching while you were there. And as an Australian, I am disappointed you're not coming out to him <laughs> out here. Would have been would have been handy for the Australian side. Uh, yeah, they might pick a, a real spinner down. God, straight down the throat of first slip. This week, we were treated to two of the finest examples of one day international cricket, regardless of gender. Yep. Yeah, I have to agree. It was very uh, well fought. Yeah, I was I was surprised after the first game when India went down so easily. Yeah, they really made a fist of it in that second and, and the third one they ended up getting. Yeah, you've got to really hand it to the Indian coaching staff, I think, because they've instilled that that same that, that fighters same spirit, that bounce back from adversity. Uh, in both their women's team and their men's team, because yeah, it's like we spoke about in the last episode. Australia comfortably had that one in hand, won the first game. I would like to say though that the roadmap that I gave the Indians they followed a little too well for my liking in that second yeah, one. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I mean, like it was almost like you were the oracle in that case. <laughs> like, and then India will get, you know, two seventy odd or close to three hundred. And then bowl outside off to Alyssa Healy. Well, that, I mean, that was... Well, I said that, well, what I said was that they, they needed to put more scoreboard pressure on the Australians early. They've got a young bowling attack, mm-hmm. so they've got to go after them early. More scoreboard pressure, get a bigger score on total. And then... And the- jag one back in from outside <laughs> off stump and well, <laughs> hit the gloves of Alyssa Healy and onto the stumps. Wasn't quite if that If you specific. would have done that, I would have been like Aaron... <laughs> Our podcast has started to become real, like an episode of Goosebumps or something. What I did say, though, is the ball had been swinging in the early parts of the innings and obviously being a day-night with a dew around, it swung a whole lot more. So I said that they needed to get more scoreboard pressure on there mm-hmm. and then capitalise while the ball was swinging and making it hard for the Australians. What they did in the first game is while the ball was swinging, they didn't need that much so they were they were comfortable just sitting back, letting it happen, waiting till the ball stopped swinging or the, the bowlers changed and then they you know, went from there and obviously won the game. This time they couldn't afford to be as uh, lay off the, the ball as much. They needed to keep in touch with the run rate. So they needed to be attacking the ball. And as it was, the Indians ended up knocking over um, uh, Healy, Lanning and Perry all for next to nothing. Yeah. So, and... And then from there, they just needed to to bowl defensive lines and and just put pressure on the Aussies yeah. through the field, which is what happened. And it and they honestly should have won that that set that first, yeah. second game. <clears throat> it was only just um, Goshwani stuffed up that final over bowling mm. two 
hip high full tosses and she being no so balls well yeah. all day. Like she is their best bowler by quite some margin, I, if, I would say. If she just if she lands that last ball, then they win. And my mm. my game plan, I suddenly stop um, doing a cricket podcast and I go and coach professionally. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should have been there saying. Careful of the high full tosses. The ball is dewy right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so as we talked about, the the Indians set up this game. Uh, Shmiti Mandahar got 86 off 94. Dipti Sharma and Richie Ghosh, Puja Vastrakar all got runs down the bottom of the order and helped push the Indians to a total of uh, 274. Mm. Elise Perry really struggled again in this game. Hannah Darlington, who had a really strong debut, went for nine and over. It was Sophie Molyneux and Talia McGrath that really did the damage with the ball um, and tried to keep things. Nicola Carey also bowled very well, eight overs, three runs and over. And then, yeah, as we talked about, it came out, the sun was setting, and um, Magna Singh and Julan Goswami got the ball just hooping. Yeah. Made it really, really difficult. Picked up Healy with an absolutely cracking ball for a duck. Yeah. Um, Meg Lanning... Ended up just sort of gifting a wicket away, trying to hook one down there. They ran out at least Perry for two. Yeah, a couple um, of good catches in that too. Ash Gardner, who we were talking about. This is what we were talking about. Like in that podcast, we're like, you know, how is the Australian middle order going to cope if these wickets fall because they haven't had a lot of batting? Yeah. And so at one point they were three for 34 and then they were four for 52 mm. when um, Ash Gardner got to the crease. And, and we got our answer, Talia McGrath. When it a runner ball I, to get I've been 74. very impressed by Talia McGrath. I was very impressed, in fact, by the, uh, the composure of Beth Mooney because she had to get through that difficult period where the ball was swinging around all over the place. Talia McGrath looks like the perfect uh, player for that finishing role at about six or seven. Mm. Yeah. Got to get go, going straight away. Well, um, she batted with enough impetus that allowed Beth Mooney to sort of just mm. limp through those difficult periods. Where yeah. the, she she was largely responsible for keeping the scoreboard in check while Mooney was sort of working through the tough periods. And then obviously Mooney ended up coming home strong and scoring a fantastic unbeaten 125 to get us home. Yeah. Um, McGrath fell in the uh, 38th over for 178, and then Nicola Carey came to the crease and scored a, a runnable 39. Well, she was impressive as well. Got Australia to the last over. At one point, with three, with three overs to go, they needed three runs of ball. It was yeah, really good batting at the death. Got to the last over, and then and then two, two over the waist, no balls in the over, mm. and, and Australia just was, snuck home to get the last one. one was touch and go. That's now nah, look. <laughs> to be fair, like no, yeah, yeah, they, they did make the right call in the end, but that's probably the toughest way. To lose a oh, game of cricket absolutely. that I've ever seen. Yeah. But oh, I, it, really, it I did feel lot, for the Indian women's team there. It looks a lot closer because Carey took two big strides back yeah. to give herself room. As a rule is, it's standing in your normal batting position. So she's another half metre forward from where that ball's yeah. supposed to be. And it was still over a waist, even though she'd taken that step back. And when she'd hit it, the ball was still over a waist. So... If she was still standing in her normal batting position, it was well over a while. Like, it looks a lot closer than what it was because yeah, Carey has I moved. I, I didn't know that they were allowed to do that, to check for the no ball. I thought they had to call it live. 
Um, no, like in umpire reviews, they can do that. Yeah, well, obviously they can. <laughs> <laughs> they but yeah, like it's. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a cruel way to lose a game, and, and to their credit, they then bounce back. Absolutely. I mean, I mean going from you know celebrating beating the Australians mm. to a few minutes later knowing that you've bowled a full toss, you've lost the game, and then you've got to come out and back it all up. Anyone could, could forgive the Australians, especially then losing the toss. The Australians going into bat, you know, like, oh, this, yeah. this could be anything. Yeah. Uh, and so the Australians in the third game, so they've won 26 in a row now. They're pushing yeah. for 27. And, and India start off really strong again. Uh, Rachel Haynes comes back into the side. Yeah. Uh, they get her and Elisa Healy got run out at the non-strikers end after just flicking the bowlers hand on a drive back oh, through. One of those, one of those. Uh, they got Lanning for a duck, which is, I think I think Lanning's been dismissed for a duck in one-day international cricket since 2017. Really? That's the sort of run that she's been on. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then we've got Healy out, Lanning out. Perry came and went uh, for 26 off 47. Still finding her feet here after a long layoff. Yeah. And then so again, we're asked, what's the middle order going to do? Are they going to stand up again? Because, the you know, the guns haven't know. fired. Charlie McGrath comes out again. Uh, or is that not yet? No, so Mooney Sorry, comes out. At, jumping the gun. <laughs> Mooney comes out at five, scores 50. Yeah. Ash Gardner comes out at six, scores 60. Tully McGrath comes out and gets 47. So oh, that, that's a bit of a disappointment. She got at 70. Yeah. That, uh, that middle order from Australia are all fired. So that answered that question. That they, mm. are, they are all ready to go. Yeah. And end up posing nine for 264. Yeah. Which isn't, which isn't a bad score. That's a competitive score, yeah. Yeah. And then India come out and they just they run it down. They get the job done. They've got um, mm. contributions everywhere. Shafley yeah. Verma, 56 off 91. Yeah. Yastika Bhatia, 64 off 69. Deepti Sharma, 31 off 30. And uh, Rana. Rana was the one that did the damage at the end. Uh, 30 off 27. Yeah. Really got... Some in- of those lap shots and, and reverse sweeps that you came up with. They, they killed us. Well, and I thought Australia were very composed because the whole time they looked like they were probably going to get these runs and they were just trying to keep mm. it within the ballpark. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until, a tar- unfortunately, a Talia McGrath over that went for 12, I think mm. with three to go, really swung uh, all the momentum any, India's any, way. Any time a McGrath goes for 12 in an over, it's, it's going to cause problems. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, I, I really, yeah, I, I did admire her game, though. The other person who was really tough in that game was Sophie Molyneux. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she got hit in the face with the ball. Um, I think it was Stella Campbell, the debutante, threw it back in from fine leg and it sort of just... Yeah. Got it hit, right in the eye. No. No, nah, hit, <laughs> hit the pitch and it's reared up and it's just smashed her in the face on the return throw. Yeah, it's pretty... She's come back and had the... Yeah, the Hannibal Lecter. The Alastoplast around the yeah. mouth. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have liked to have been the person who had to remove that either. That would have, that would have hurt. <laughs> there would have been swear words. Yeah. Lots yeah. of swear words. Yeah. And she was the one that unfortunately had to do all the damage at the death. Um, I thought yeah. she, she played really well. But yeah, there it is. The, the Indians got it done. The Aussie streak ends at 26. And we were gifted two of the most compelling games of cricket I've seen in a long, long time. Mm. Um. Absolutely fantastic to watch. Uh, and I suppose from an Australian point of view, taking something out of the, away from that, is they didn't do a lot wrong. Like I said, I think other than that one over from Talia McGrath that went for 12, yeah, they 
kept themselves in it. They bowled tight. I mean, they, they dropped a couple of catches, but they all executed particularly well. And that's missing people like Jess Jonathan, Megan Shute, um, Taylor Valimic. Uh, and then on top of that, Meg Lanning's got a duck and a six yeah. in this. Alisa uh, Healy got a 77, a duck, and then in this one got run out for 37. Mm. Um, you know, they've had two, like a debutante come in, or two debutantes come in in Stella Campbell and uh, Hannah Darlington. Darcy Brown has only played one game before going in this, so there's not a lot of experience in their bowling. Yeah, they're, they're, they're big having guns. to call on the depth, and uh, so far it hasn't been bad. I mean, you, you expect players of, of little experience to make the occasional mistake. I think you would say that overall, though, they've, they've held up. Yeah, um, absolutely nothing to yeah. hang your heads in, hang, hang their heads about. And when, combined with the fact that they're missing a lot of experience and then their, their big guns really haven't fired, at least mm. Perry hasn't fired at all. Yep. Lanning hasn't really fired other than that. You know, that 50 in the game that they had well in hand. It's all been those other players that have, you know, Talia McGrath and Nicola Carey, um, Ash Gardner, all those all those ladies have had to, to step it up and get the job done. And they were really one pour over away from, from mm. sweeping the one-day international series. On the yeah. other side of things, what a phenomenal effort from India. This is a side yeah. that doesn't have a professional women's competition yeah. already pushing... The yeah. Australian side that's gone twenty seven or twenty six straight games. They must have a good system there. They've, they've got someone who knows what they're doing right at the top. You know, I it suppose would... it is a massive responsibility. You've got, you know, cricket is the number one game over there, and you have got a billion people to keep happy. It yeah. will be scary <laughs> when India put in a, a women's IPL, mm. and like we've seen what's happened to, to the the men's game in India after the IPL, and just their massive stretch of depth yeah. from there. And then doing the same thing for the women's game. It's how sharply they're going to, to shoot up from there. They're going to be a very tough team for, mm. for years to come. So and they're still in this series because it is a, a combined series, like a lot of the women's, well, all of the women's series. Yes. Um, so it's four points to two, as I understand it right now. Yes, with Australia four points won. to play for in the test and then yep. the 2020s. So the test will be uh, so four points to the winner, yeah, or they'll share the two if it's a draw. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They've changed that recently. It used to be six and two, but they found that teams were well six not. points are a lot of points to give up. So once they sort of get into a position where they're probably not going to win, it just turns into a draw. Yeah. Um, right. I think to offset that, what I would love because I'm a massive advocate as you. Anyone who's listening last week would have heard. Draw. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, have two tests. There should be yeah. three, two, three is your series. So yeah. three one day internationals, two tests, three T20 internationals. Okay. And then if there's six points on offer for each test, then you yeah. can go, well, we, can, we didn't. We, we can get back yeah, into if it. You, if you lose that test, yeah. you have to go and win the next one because you can't afford to give up. Yeah. 12 points. Brings the win back. So you've got it. to go and push for it. And I think, you know, like I said, you've, the more tests that the, the ladies can play, the better. And that, uh, speaking of, it, it starts tomorrow. Yes. Is it not? Well, yeah. we're recording this on a, on Wednesday. So, yeah, uh, it starts tomorrow or yeah. a week ago. Or <laughs> yeah. Keep going back to that ago. well. <laughs> it's a joke that keeps on giving. Yeah. India, 
will take a lot of confidence heading out of there, uh, heading into the into the test. Uh, Australia obviously is missing some of its big guns already, and I think Rachel Haynes has been ruled out. Mm. And then Beth Mooney's also in a bit of doubt as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they all pull up. Yeah. Um, and there'll be concerns about Elise Perry. She's been the, the big champion gun player for Australia for a while and mm. um, concerningly hasn't really impacted the game one way or the other. She's really struggled with the ball. Yeah. Uh, really got to find a way to get herself into the game. Well, I think the test will, will help her because uh, the onus is on the bowler in test match cricket to yeah. put it up to the batsman. It's not up to building pressure and, and making, you know, because of the scoreboard pressure that they have that the One Day International creates, uh, you know, the bowlers have got to get the batsman out. And I think that's where... Well, I think Perry's more Perry struggled with controlling the swing, like a really struggle bowling full to left-handers. Yeah. She ends up starting it on middle and it swings down leg side a lot. Uh, so she's she's got a few technical things to work out there. Um, Lisa Stalaker was picking apart her action, saying that it's been tweaked since her hamstring injury. So yeah. she's obviously trying to get some confidence back under her, her belt. So hopefully she's got 15 I, I or so you, overs out of these three one days. Yeah, and, yeah, you can get in and, and have a good long bowl as well and just sort some stuff out. But, you know, the best thing for bowling is to bowl more. So, anyway. uh, and obviously being in a test match as well for any of those that sneak down the leg side, it's not quite as stressful. It's not going to be wide as yeah. in a one day. So mm. you know you're still only going to have to bowl it six times. As far as if you bowl three down the leg side, it's turned into a nine yeah. ball over. It, and... it will be interesting to see if uh, they do have specialist test players in the women's team. I mean, I haven't been following very closely with the women's team for a while, so I don't know whether they've got. I can't they imagine they'd have for five day long form cricket. Anyone that's a specialist, they don't. They just simply don't play enough games. I think. Yeah, that's well, even form. even within that, people who are who uh, effective in the long form. Yeah, more effective. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, from judging off what some of the commentators have put forward for their potential elevens, it's going to very much look like the one, the one day side uh, with yep. a couple of changes. All the key players will be. There, so it'll be like Hannah Darlington won't make it, for example. She's not going to debut in a one day and then go and play in a in a mm. test. So I think it's going to be uh, you'll see a lot of familiar faces. I don't think that there's there hasn't like there hasn't been too much of an opportunity for the players to establish themselves as yeah. a test specialist. So because they don't play that many, yeah, uh, there will be work workloads that certainly come into it as well because the. They haven't got a lot of bowling under their under their belts, and you know most of these players are used to only having to bowl somewhere between four and ten overs a game, depending on how many bowling options Meg Lanning uses. So, you know, you're having to bowl potentially a hundred overs in innings. You're going to end up doing a lot more than just eight or nine overs. So they'll be managing you know bowlers' workloads. So I imagine quite a lot of all rounders will get through into there as well, just to make sure that uh, Lanning can rest her her main quicks. Mm. And give the ball to, to throw the ball to someone to to get the job done. Mm. Uh, who do you think is going to clean up? I think Australia will win. I think it's, uh, you know, India played very very well in the one days, but yeah. Australia is a, a quality team. Australia's the yeah, favourite team. Uh, over yeah, five yeah. days, you do tend to find that the uh, better quality team is is more likely to shine through. You know, yeah. like. In 2020, 
you have three bad overs, you can lose the game. In the 50-over game, you have maybe eight bad overs that yeah. can lose you the game. Test cricket, you know, you have a couple. You have one bad session, and it's it's not game over. Yeah, Your quality is still there. To there tends to, to be less Cinderella stories in a test match. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and yeah. Australia will simply have they'd have a lot more experience. I think well, obviously Mitali Raj will be one of the players with quite a lot of experience from India. But you know, there's plenty of Australians that have played a lot of cricket um, in all formats, including the, the the test matches in in Lanning and Healy and. Yeah. and Gardner and uh, and Perry. So uh, I think that'll shine through. The one thing that India, like same as same as what I said for the one day, is though there's an inexperienced bowling attack from the Australians missing Jonathan and Shoot and Volimic and people like that. So they've. I think they need to identify someone and and really put the pressure on them early and make Lanning have to look at changing her plans. You know, if yeah. the, if it's there, they've. Got to really go after someone. Obviously, make it through the new ball, but yeah, they've they've got to be proactive here. I don't think they can sort of sit back and let the game happen because the Australians will yeah. probably outclass them in the end. They've got to they've got to find a way of you know bringing Australia down to their level. I say yeah. that I don't mean that as we know disregard you, you know as disparagingly as it implies, but uh, yeah. India need to go and junk it up. If they just go and let's just go and we'll see off the new ball and make it for lunch without losing any wickets and or you know we're losing one wicket or so and just sort of play your you know test cricket one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah. Australia going to be too good. I think they've got to go yeah. in and just do something just a little bit different. Flip, flip take the script. Um, take uh, a bit of initiative. They got a Saywag to open with in their uh, in their lineup. I don't know nearly you, enough about how you, the Indians you, are going to be lining up. Tend to flip the script. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've, they've got to play positive cricket when they're. If Australia opens the door to allow them to play positive cricket, they've got to take that opportunity. They've obviously can't play reckless because Australia will clean them up. But if if Australia don't quite have the foot on the throat, then they need to make sure they. Kick the door in and yeah. make Australia pay for not putting them away. Mm. That's going to be it's going to be a really exciting game, and I know exactly what I'll be doing tomorrow. Yeah. Last week, um, last three week, years ago, three yeah. years ago. Well, we're pretty much time travelers at this point. <laughs> I just <laughs> podcasts are time traveling. Whoa! It's got him! Knocked him over. The pressure was too much. Rounding out our 89th episode and the last episode before we hit the nervous 90s, I thought we'd have a chat about the only Shield game that has managed to get started and finished so mm. far this summer, which is the one between South Australia and Western Australia, yeah. which uh, has been a game where the batsmen have filled their boots but has predictably turned into quite a dreary draw. Yeah, it's like an Adelaide Oval game, basically. <laughs> um, everybody wins. Um, uh, yeah, so... It, it kind of becomes one of those, like, things where you win the lottery on the day that everybody else also wins the lottery, so you yeah. win a small amount of money. You, you get uh, a big score, but also a whole heap of other guys get a big score. So does that mean that your innings was quite as good as it seems or, you know? Well, well obviously there are some big candidates here looking at getting in back into the the test side, which mainly would be Travis Head, the South Australian captain. And I think you're exactly right. He, he's had a massive 160, batted really well, 
Well, then you look at the rest of the game and everyone's in the runs and you just sort of go, is it worth as much as we think? So starting off, um, Sam Whiteman, who I'm a big fan of, I think hopefully should be in the conversation for that opener spot, started off with a, with an okay 44 off 100 balls, but really needed to go on after getting it. And then that's when the run started. Sean Marsh, 118. Cameron Green, 106. Hilton Cartwright, 69. Josh Phillippe, 77. All the way up to scoring... Nine for 465. Uh, Nathan McAndrew, who we were talking about, who made a really good debut after making the move from New South Wales to South Australia. Yeah. Um, 31 overs, 3 for 71 in his first-class debut as yeah, the third quick. Yeah, I saw a little quick. bit of that spell, um, and he was kind of exactly what we predicted, just lion-hearted, <laughs> almost the Neil Neil Wagner kind yeah. of role that like, yeah. uh, Neil Wagner, yeah. Andy Bickle, those sort of guys coming in, just hitting the deck yeah. hard, bowling hard, did yeah. really well. Uh, Lloyd Pope, everyone's um, favourite cricket <laughs> meme at the moment, <laughs> showed there's a really big step up from looking good in an under nineteens competition to first class. Yeah, got four wickets, but went. For 92 runs, six runs and over. So he, he always gets wickets. So, I mean, all he's got to do is is get that RPO under control. I mean, that sounds easy. I mean, he's bowling leg spin, spin, one of the hardest arts in the game. Uh, I mean, we're, we're used to Shane Warne and he could drop it on a dime. But what we forget is that Shane Warne was a freak. <laughs> yeah. Well, what yeah. I found particularly concerning, and I can kind of understand... <laughs> This is why I really don't like about picking youngsters who aren't ready to do the job in yeah. shield cricket because he picked Lloyd Pope and Sam Kerber yeah. in the side who are both spin options and yeah. Travis Head bowled before both of them yeah. and for a large part of the day bowled more overs than the both of them combined. Well, we and obviously that they... spell, didn't we? we? And we, we were just flummoxed as, as to why Travis Head was bowling so much. And, and uh, when you look at it, they both go... Pope and Kerber both went for more than six runs and over. Yeah. So there's probably a reason. Travis yeah. Head can't trust them to do a job with the ball, which begs yeah. the question, why, why are they there? Yeah. Why exactly. have you picked them then? Go with another is, quick Is there bowl. a 29-year-old off spinner who can put it on the spot or the whole time? If you're like, going to bowl, he bowls 18 overs in the first innings and predominantly bowled most of them on the first day. Hmm. If, if you're happy as a captain to do that job and be that bowler at the other... Pick another quick. Yeah, exactly. Just but, because they're young. But, like, Travis Head shouldn't have to do that. And, he, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. If, if the pitch oh, – so I just don't see where the selection from South Australia comes from that you think that you're going to get like, anything out of two spinners, let alone three, picking, on that wicket. They're basically picking Head as an all-rounder at that point, and he's an all-rounder where he's bowling overs where he's not going to get the batsman out. Yeah, so um, he's going to do that holding role because he bowled 18 overs, no wickets for 62 in the first innings. Yeah. But that's fine. If you're going from one end. If you're um, going to do that, that's fine. Yeah. But you've picked then two spinners that are going at seven runs and over, almost seven runs and over. Right. Why couldn't that be another quick bowler? If you're if there's nothing in it for the spinners, Yeah. why is the selection then yeah, gone? The reason they've picked Lloyd Pope is because of his date of birth. Yeah. And that's the problem that we've got in Shield cricket at the moment is, well, this is a great example. The pitches that mm. they're playing on are rubbish. Yeah. So rubbish. we'll either get games where they're five for a 1,000 and it yeah. turns into a draw, or you'll get absolute rubbish wickets the other way where teams are getting knocked over for 
single or double figures or 100. Mm. That happened to New South Wales on a couple of games, and they ended up winning that game after being absolutely rolled for uh, against Tasmania, I think it was, and they ended up coming back and, and winning that game. So you've got yeah. two ends of the spectrum where the pitches are just not conducive to competitive cricket, and then you've got spots being taken up in shield teams by players that aren't shield quality. Yeah, well... I mean, because it's not, it's not just a, a... This is what happened to Lloyd Pope last year. And then you go to the next innings, he bowled 22 overs and went five and a half and over when there was really nothing to be gained. South, I mean, Western Australia couldn't really win the game, so it was a bit yeah. of a, just a, a dead part of the game. And he still goes at five and over. Picked up three wickets, so we ended up getting seven for the match. Mm. But 200, he was seven for 210 Going at a yeah. run of all, which is not terrible when you look at it. Well, but the yeah. seven for a two hundred and ten isn't terrible, but at a run of all, yeah. as you replied, I would like the, 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 most of those were being holed out in the deep. Yeah, this is the problem we've got. We've established that Lloyd Pope from the under nineteen World Cup looks like he's got yeah. a bright future. So he's been completely fast tracked. So he's been fast tracked to, to the stakes without so that, having to jump through the little hoops that. The, people normally would have to. Yeah. And gets consistently, like this happened last year as well, on the limited games he got to play last year. He would take a bag of wickets, pay dearly for them, and just, and it's not what you want from a first-class spinner. You're never going to make it to Australia, the next level playing for Australia if you're taking, you know, four or five wickets a match at six runs and over. You're just not going to. So mm. he, he's clearly not at the level that we need him to be to be a proper first class cricketer. Yeah. Yet he's the, and he's only there. If he was twenty nine years old, Lloyd Pope wouldn't be playing in this game. Yeah. Done. Just happy to take any bet on that. If Lloyd Pope was 29, 30 years old, with the same skills that he's got right now, yeah. going at six runs and over, he mm. wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't be playing for a state. He wouldn't have a state contract. Yeah. He's being utilized in this game where he's well above his station, and that's part of the problem with so Shield Cricket. So you think that's, that's affecting our, our structure that, uh, yeah, we're, we're fast-tracking the Well, absolutely. So yeah. I, I can't understand why you would have three spinners, one of them being Travis Head, mind you, who's yeah. a part-timer at best. He's a Joe Root-style spinner, mm. and he's going to bowl 20 overs on day one of a, when you've picked yeah. two front-line spinners ahead of him. So, so Lloyd, they Lloyd Pope is kind of a prime example of this happening. And, um, and, and yeah. South Australia's not the only one. There's all sorts of players that would be sort of getting, you know, if they're the right age, would be playing ahead of people that are probably better than them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. You've got to, you've got to hit a, a balance between getting these kids to pay their dues and obviously you want to give them a go at first class level to expose them to what they need to be doing. But I just don't see how getting pasted around the ground for four days is and, and it's he hasn't he was doing it last year as well. Hmm. This is yeah. the same yeah. it's the same he's clearly not ready and, and that's where we go from there. So you, you, I mean almost for the, the young guy you need to put another couple of steps in because it doesn't help him to get fast tracked either. No. To put him in a situation where he's you know, that's kind of like they'll, you know, throw someone in at the deep end of the pool and they'll learn to swim or die. Yeah, but if, he, uh, if he's taken wickets, like, that's one thing. But he needs to sort of concentrate more on his... on his. Well, no no captain's going to be able to keep him on. No. At six and over. Which is why Travis Head 
had to bowl so many overs, which mm. means you fundamentally made a problem with your selection. Yeah. Exactly. That's the issue. So Travis Head's taken the ball before giving it to either mm. of his spinners. So obviously Travis Head knows, and this is probably not the, you know, it might have had something to do with the with the handedness of the batsman at the time, but, you mm. know, if they're your front-line spinner, yeah. you'd go to them first. But he's he's given himself the ball and bowled more. I'm pretty sure he bowled more than his both his spinners on day one combined. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they but- overtook him on day two while... Um, Western Australia was batting for a declaration. You, you can't tell me that that was that wasn't at least some Travis Head putting his hand up to go. Oh, remember me? I'm I'm still here. I'd like to be picked. For oh, Australia. I, I don't I don't necessarily think it was. Is he really going to impress the spinners with his? I mean the the selectors with his off spinners. Well, if they were tight enough, and by the sound of things, they probably were. I, I don't think that was necessarily. I generally think that they've established that they're probably not the right conditions to have. Yeah, Lloyd Pope, he wasn't going to get much out of it, which begs the question again, why have you picked him in the side? You yeah. picked him because he's a young spinner. Uh, moving to South Australia's innings, you know, they fought really hard in this one, got themselves actually a lead. Travis Head, massive game with the bat, 163 off 215. Jake Carter, who was actually brought over from Western Australia, couldn't get a gig for them, come over, debuted for South Australia in this game, 118. Bang. Yeah, I like it. right. And the Barossa yeah. Valley is where it's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. to speaking of debutants, Nathan McAndrew, sixty-five with the bat to go with his three wickets in the first innings. Right. He's had a bat too. He's had a fruitful bat. move from New South Wales to to get himself a bit of a gig. So, I mean, and that's the idea. Like at the end of the day, you want the best sixty-six cricketers playing for each state. Like yeah. that's what we want. I mean, realistically. There's politics involved. There's interstate kind of loyalties and such, but essentially what we want. And there is the opportunity where you're going to give where, you know, on balance you might give that younger kid a go. Yeah. But I just can't believe that. that's got to be the sort of flip a coin decisive factor. It can't be like, oh, well, even though this guy is way better than this guy, you know, the young young player is getting the gig. Um, Yeah. I think it's just got to be, yeah, a tie-breaking factor, if you like. Well, I, I still remember the days when you could you could literally walk into the, the Sheffield Shield teams, you could pick another team, and almost be like the the best team that we could put forward in Australia. Yeah, the Australian yeah. ace line being almost as strong as yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, we are kind of at that point where the Australian ace side is as strong as the Australian side. It's but just not, not the, in a good way. It's just not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the just that was really frustrating, and so as it was, being a road massive score from South Australia, uh, they ended up with a fifty-run lead or something like that at the end of the first innings, and then yeah, from there it just became a monotonous draw. Both mm-hmm. you know, they, neither team really could force a result, and they just set about playing out the remainder of the day. So it was kind of a. It was, a game that fell flat on its face. Yeah, um, we've begun with a whimper. Um, so I think really other than the talking point of my mini rant about young kids getting a go before their time yep. and watering down the whole competition, the other big talking point obviously would be Travis Head. He's the one with the most to gain out of this, comes out of it. I think he captained fairly dynamically considering the, mm. the pitch, tried hard to 
at least force some sort of result. Really hyper attacking lines with the in the second innings. Yeah. Did really well with the bat. Can't say Teddy knows over 165 yeah. other people. There's the uh, there's the toe cream people calling for Sean Marsh to get back in the uh, oh, Australian oh. side. <laughs> Yeah, the sun know. hadn't even set in Adelaide on day one uh, and Fox some, Sports was out yeah, there Fox churning Sports out have. the, should we give Sean Marsh an SOS? We did it in 2017 that worked mm. out all right. Well, that's four years ago. The guy is 38 years old. Yeah. 38 right. years old. Can we not just accept the fact that Sean Marsh has finished as an international cricketer and just enjoy what he's doing for WA because mm. what he's doing at a state I mean, level is Great. I mean, some people might then accuse us of uh, sort of contradicting ourselves there because you've just gone on the... No, no, uh, yeah. For the state level, you need to play your best players. Yeah. But there obviously needs to be, when you're moving to the international level, there are other things to consider. Obviously, yeah. the length of time you're going to be there, but the big thing to consider is that Sean Marsh has had plenty of opportunities at the international level. And he averages 35. And he averages yeah. less than 35. Which and you can't tell me that that thirty eight year old Sean Marsh is in a position to be better than thirty four year old peak Marsh. Sean Marsh, who yeah. could only establish a mediocre batting average. Like he's not going to be any yeah. better than what he is. So this is he's, the opportunity. He's in the twilight. <laughs> and there are young black players, Travis Head included, mm. that are doing as good a job. Yeah. Or better, depending on where you are. Yeah. So it would just make sense to give the guy that could actually establish himself as an international force for years as opposed to a stopgap to get us through yeah. a series. One series, one yeah. ashes. Could Sean Marsh do a job for us in the middle order for these five tests against England? No. Probably. He probably could. No. Should we do that? He wouldn't do a good job. <laughs> he would do a decent job, as we've yeah. seen. He's average. When he yeah. gets to play test cricket, he is an average cricketer. We, you yeah. Know, It'll be neither excellent, it won't be terrible. Yeah. But, but at 38 have, years old, there's I, no future there. I reckon we've got at least five better options than him. Yeah. Possibly ten. We don't need... Do you want me to rattle them off? We're, we're not in a position at the moment where we just need to go and pick a guy to get us through a series. We've got enough young talent coming through yeah. that we can cultivate to play the It's just world. that they don't have a profile and you, you're kind of casual yeah. cricket. Sean Marsh getting selected will get people clicking on articles on Fox Sports. So that's why yeah. they tune it out. It's exactly. just lazy journalism. Yep. Uh, so, from Travis Head's point of view, the guy that I think legitimately has a chance, you know, mm. I, I maintain that Travis Head is talented enough to play international cricket. Yeah. The problem we've got is he keeps getting himself somewhere between 30 and 50 and doing something stupid to get himself out. Yeah. Which yep. he averages 40. I mean, his average is nearly as good as Mark Waugh, and mm. we've discarded him. And, and that's the reason. It's not talent. Talent-wise, Travis Head should be able to play 100 tests for Australia. It's yeah. whether or not he can get himself through the tough periods and then make something of it. I mean, yeah. there was one there was one dismissal. I think he was in uh, India got him at short cover, and it was obvious to everybody that that's what they were setting him up for. A yeah. lofted drive to short cover. They had two there for it. They were bowling yeah. a line for that. And it took him four balls before he hit it straight to short cover. And he's and just and, like, and, and that's he happened multiple times, the obvious plan. Yeah. Like I'm the, pretty sure that's how they got him out. 
Yeah. yeah, that's the. I watched it. I was. I remember yelling about it. I wanted him oh, dropped yeah. for the second innings. Like oh, I didn't I, even want him to come back. I meant. Yeah. I meant in the in the shield game. Oh yeah, at yeah. one hundred and sixty. Yeah, doesn't matter. Going at a strike rate of eighty. Sixty. Uh, yeah. was, uh, and of course, Cameron Green did nothing to play his way out of the Australian. Oh, no, Green, Green will be there for He'll sure. He bowled. Uh, well, he scored a hundred. Uh, took a wicket in the first innings. Yeah, he bowled 14 odd overs or so. Yeah, if, if he wants the all rounder role, I just think he has to be work on his uh, yeah strike rate as a bowler. But yeah, yeah and we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. Whether it's True. that's how how good he is as a bowler, or that's how Tim Payne used him. He just needs a little bit something else other than length, length, length. Yorker bouncer. Yeah. He needs yeah to add something a he little needs there a to it. Yeah, but uh, he's certainly going to do a job with the bat. So I, I think Travis Head at the moment is he's got to be. In the box seat, obviously, with only one game under the belts. But he's going to be churning out runs like that. Though, in the back of their heads, they've got to be thinking when he went over to England where the pitches aren't quite so uh, ash vaulty. <laughs> he had yeah. a horrible county cricket year. So those still questions in the back of their head will be, okay, you scored runs when everyone can score runs. Mm. Can you score runs when you're not really supposed to? So it'll be, you know... He can only score runs on the pitches he's playing on. At the moment, Travis Head has done everything that he can with a, a really, really big hundred. So yeah. um, if, he, if he can put away the shots that are getting him out for 30, 40-odd, I mm. happily have him back in the side. He's a left-hander in that middle order, offers a little bit with the ball. He's been captain of South Australia for a while. You know, He's obviously got good leadership instincts and qualities, trying to get the most out of an inexperienced side. So he's a guy that offers that when he gets to the international level, but he has to figure out a way to put away those shots that get him out for 30, 40, 50 mm. and really go on knuckle down and turn those into scores. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've, we've done it. Good luck to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other thing we want to, I suppose, talking about Shield is Tasmania and Queensland had their game cancelled due yeah. to uh, COVID concerns. They were scared. Uh, I think there was, I think this one, without hearing too much of the specifics, more rather than being scared of the the virus, they were more scared of their states locking them, drop, out. you know, dropping the iron curtain and locking them out of there. Yeah. Before they could come. Oh, you home. can completely understand what their yeah. thinking was. So I think rather than it was a, a massive issue, because I believe it was just that there were some cases in Queensland and they pulled the pin. Yeah. And. Well, it was actually postponed till the next day, and then I don't know. What's I think Tasmania tomorrow. opted to um, fly home, fly home. before yeah, risking but... not being able to go home. Yeah, which is it's kind of like that meme going around. Uh, yes, Tasmania won the toss and elected to go home, <laughs> <laughs> which is just part and parcel about how ridiculous our COVID rules are in our country. But. That's that's what it is. Uh, I believe New South Wales is left and they're planning to do a 14-day hard quarantine and hopefully get four Shield games in before. Yes, well, it'll be a little while before we see Victoria or New South Wales play. Well, they're, they're on the road. They're going to go and play in Queensland, South Australia and Western Australia. Their plan is to do a 14-day hard quarantine because they're leaving New South Wales, which is obviously quite afflicted with COVID at the moment, and get themselves playing... Um, Game, Sheffield Shield games on the road yeah. so they get some Red Bull cricket under their belt heading into the Ashes summer which is you know my last point before we finish mm. off is a little bit of a tongue and cheek jab at the English you know we've got the Australian cricketers just to get ready for the Ashes are happy to 
leave friends and family behind and go for a trip to another state to go and play domestic cricket and you guys can't even get your act together to come and play the Ashes without your wags in tow. I'm sorry. If, if, if someone said to me, you have to go to England, quarantine for 14 days or 20 days or three years or four months, I don't care what it is, but you'll get to play a Ashes series. Oh, I'm on that plane, baby. <laughs> I am on that plane. What I don't get on that is, so obviously we're all aware that families never used to travel. And yep. then, obviously, with the ease of international travel, it became far more prominent. We had wives well, and orphans. Just harden up. But the thing is, it's one tour. Yeah. All things considered, Australia is not going to be doing this the next time that they come out. Mm. So it's one winter holiday that their family misses out on. Yes, yeah. it's a big deal because there's a World Cup before that and there's a big time away. Yeah. But you know what? Joe Root gets yeah. paid almost $2 million dollars a year and if someone said to me you earn two million dollars this year but you've got to go and spend four weeks away from your family well no what four months away from your family and when you come back you'll get do you know how long i'd have to work to earn nearly two million dollars at the moment almost 80 years (laughs) i have to work for 80 years and not spend anything to get that they they must all have very good marriages as well like because i know a lot of blokes who they have like oh sweet i get to spend a couple of weeks you know a couple of months away from the missus or all their wives have trust issues well they can't go anywhere they're all being locked down in australia so (laughs) but yeah it's just it's mind-boggling there's such uh, just dragging their feet so much from the English about an Ashes series. Like, this is not just like an ODI tour. This is an Ashes series, and you're not prepared to come and spend a few weeks away from mm. y- your family to get this done. You're professional cricketers. This is like, yes, Australia's COVID situation is laughable in the way that we're doing it, but that's how they're doing it. Mm. You just deal with it. I mean, they're the first to cry foul when India bailed on them to go and play in the IPL. Mm. And they were the first to drag the West Indies and the Pakistan out to make sure they didn't go bankrupt the year before. Hopefully, fingers crossed, by next summer, everything will be as as normal as we can make it. So you've just got one one summer where international travel is Yeah, what a horrible place to go, Australia. (laughs) They're they're not upset about coming to Australia. They're upset that they can't bring their family with them. So just leave the kids at home for Christmas one year, suck it up, Earn your squillions of dollars playing a sport where you, once you retire after, you know, working for 10, 15 <laughs> years, you never have to work again if you've managed your money right. Mm. Earn that living for your family. Go and get it done. Go back. And then life can return to somewhat normality in the, you know, the coming years after that. It's one tour. Yeah. It's one tour that you've got to go with. It's, not, it's not just one tour. It's the ashes. <laughs> it's the ashes. And this is a big... All, uh, I've had a few tongue-in-cheek jabs at English cricketers that they just don't value the Ashes as much as the Australians. And I think what New South Wales is doing kind of proves that. New South Wales want to put themselves in a 14-days hard quarantine. They're going to spend the early parts of the summer away from family to go and play Sheffield Shield cricket to get a domestic cricket competition going. And for some of them, it's so they can get red ball experience heading into the Ashes. So they're, they're willing to go and do that. Mm. I mean, I know it's not the same as having your family on the other side of the world, but 
But it this doesn't is matter just domestic it cricket, and they're happy to go and make those sacrifices yeah, to get New South Wales cricket off the ground. And England can't do that for an Ashes series. But what's the difference between having your, your, your family on the other side of the world or other side of the country? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Subconsciously, it might feel better knowing that they're what? a car drive away as opposed to a... I don't know. I don't know. It don't know. Takes four, there's four slight, days to drive there's, across there's, this country. There's slightly less delay on the Zoom call. Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so kudos, big kudos to New South Wales for making that happen. I personally don't think that a hard quarantine is necessary. They're all vaccinated. You know, what's the point of having the vaccination if you can't freely? Oh, we're not even going to start on that right now. <laughs> right. We're, we're sticking to cricket. So well done, to New South Separate Wales. Podcast. Looks like we're going to get. Three or four Shield games in before the Ashes, which will be vitally important for the Australian cricketers that are in New South Wales. And hopefully, I haven't heard from Victoria, but I imagine they'd probably be doing something similar. Yeah, because I can't, I can't see any games being hosted before Christmas in those states. Probably no, not. No, not, not going to happen. <laughs> we'll have to wait till next year. And on that, that'll bring out our last episode of the 80s yep. to a close. Into the 90s. Into the 90s from here. The best decade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. It's the first one I was involved with, so yeah. Michael Slater, uh, Michael Slater's um, favourite uh, decade as well, I think. Yeah, the 90s. Uh, yeah, it could be. He stopped off there quite a lot in the 90s. He did. He did. <laughs> um, I, I've realised, just looking up a couple of random stats, um, there is eventually going to be a 99th person dismissed on 99 in Test cricket. It's. I think we're on about late 80s, early 90s now. So Can you if, imagine that you are the 99th person to be dismissed on 99? <laughs> that, 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 that'd make your day even worse when you found out too, wouldn't it? Yeah. 99 so, Yeah, so I mean, Simon Cadditch has done it twice. I think one of them was a run out. <laughs> no, it was 97. I think it was oh, that's right. that, you talk yeah. about the Watson run out? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. He was 97. He was uh-huh. filthy. Yeah. yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. He, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, sort of. Um, backwards with uh, showing it either. <laughs> well, Shane Watson, surprised he didn't review it straight away. <laughs> anyway. I think he got dropped on 99 and ran through for his 100 Watson in that innings. That was his oh, first yeah, test yeah, 100. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. That was one of those, uh, we're, we're definitely not throwing the game, sir, from <laughs> Pakistan games. Yeah. Anyhow. Anyhow, that'll do us for another episode. Thank you for listening to our waffling on this week. We'll be yep. back with whatever cricketing goodness we can find next week. Yep. Oh, well, we'll be talking about the women's test for sure. That's yep. going to be awesome. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know, hopefully some more domestic cricket from us. We might have to yep. wait to see Western Australia and South Australia play again at this point. Yeah. Yay, more marshes and heads and head <laughs> cone. Anyways, that'll do for us. Bye for now. See you, guys. Right, over. Sports Social Podcast Network.